Glory, glory, Sacramento. Welcome to the 916 Republic Podcast. I'm your host, Nolan. If you happen to be a 442 journalist or a media relations coordinator for the USL Players Union, this man may be sliding into your DMs asking for a comment on USL player wage disparity. He also happens to be sitting in the studio across the table with me tonight. Scott, hello. How are you? I'm doing really good tonight. I'm feeling it. I just got my coffee. Yeah? Yeah, I'm ready. Has the USL Players Union gotten back to you about themselves? No, but I just realized that they're probably concerned about their season. Oh, the season. Because they're players. Like half of them are players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And nobody's probably checking this random Instagram account that has three posts from like February. Idiots. Well, one day. One day (laughs) they will reach out to us. But that's okay. If you happen to be a 442 journalist or the media relations coordinator for the USL Players Union, and you happen to be an attractive 20-something-year-old, our third host for the night may also be sliding into your DMs. His game is strong, and he's also decent at playing sports. <laughs> Zach, hello. How are you doing? You know, you know, at some point, you're on this upward trajectory yeah. of these intros. At some point, we're, you're going to have I'm to just gonna crash. plateau here. Yeah. But, you know, I'm enjoying it. I don't... I'm enjoying the... The beautiful intros. Right yeah, now. you know they're they're pretty cringy and they don't <laughs> flow quite well. So like, yeah, I, but, I still have a ways to expand with. They're these. like they're like Napoleon Dynamite cringy. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they're, kind of. They're cringy. They're but supposed they're, to be. They're endearing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, to answer your question, Nolan, I'm yeah. doing swell. Excellent. Perfect. Well, swell and swole. Swell and swole. Swell and swole. And ready to. To talk about soccer tonight. He's trying to rhyme with swole, but he couldn't think of anything. Couldn't think of anything. <laughs> swole. And speaking of bowls, you know what it also kind of shaped like a bowl, but a little smaller and with handles on it? Cups. And it's time <laughs> for the... What for a the, beautiful transition. For the final cup date, international cup date of 2019 mm. for us here inside in, at the 916 Republic. Yeah. Okay. So let's start. Zach and I yes, um, and Nolan watched uh the men's gold cup i didn't watch final. the gold cup oh you didn't watch the gold. No. you you touched you watched a little women's bit of cup. the women's yeah world cup okay yeah. so zach and i watched yes. the men's gold cup final mm-hmm. this past sunday night yep. uh if you were doing anything but watching soccer on sunday you missed three finals you did uh because the copa america final mm-hmm. was going on the gold cup final and the women's world cup final yep mm-hmm. so it was a busy day uh for us that it was but the men's gold cup final zach really quick what's your big takeaway um i was it it was frustrating for me like the night of i almost think it was even more frustrating because you know we've seen we've played mexico before in past years and we've seen lopsided games and i feel like it was almost more frustrating because this time we actually had a chance we actually had legitimate you know scoring opportunities there was definitely a a chance we could have won that game and we end up losing one to nothing um so it was frustrating the night that we lost but like looking back on it there are definitely positives to see and this is this is not you know this is not the the cake you know the the world cup is the cake and there was some good progress made through this tournament um i liked Ironically, I loved Josie Altador's touch as this as he as he played. Jazzy's artist or Josie Altador? Josie Altador. Okay, got it. Why? What did I say? 
Josie you said Josie Altador. Oh, okay. No, no. Jesse's art is... I, the opposite can be said for Jesse's oh, art. Oh, okay. Got it. That's why it's but ironic. Okay. Josie, Josie Altador. It's ironic, too, because of that that uh, scoring opportunity he had early on in the USA-Mexico uh, game. Yeah. But I thought, as far as his touch, um, his hold-up play, his passing, I thought it was very, very good. I was very impressed with him. I was very impressed with Pulisic as well, obviously. I was very impressed with Ariola. I thought he played well. I thought he kind of got swallowed up in that Mexico game a little bit, and he still battled. He still had opportunities that he created. So there's good takeaways. Yeah, and I would say, like, for the tournament as a whole, I would agree with you all the way up until the second half of the Mexico game. Like, the first half of the Mexico yeah. game, the U.S. was playing super well. Reggie Cannon was getting forward on the right, which was pinning back. Pizarro for Mexico on the left. Uh-huh. Um, and McKinney is another one I was very impressed McKinney with. McKinney played really well. Pulisic had a ton of space. And then, yep. like, Tata Martino, the Mexico national team manager, makes two changes. He uh-huh. tells the defensive midfielder to basically, like, man-mark Christian Pulisic. And then he tells uh, Pizarro to go from the left to the right yeah. and switch with Atunia. And that completely negated yeah. anything that uh, Reggie Cannon was going to do. And it forced um, Tim Ream to like defend, yeah. which as a defender, you would think he'd be good at it, but he's not amazing. So pretty much Again, Me- Mexico made talent. two pretty small changes, actually, and completely took over the second half. The U.S. still had their chances. Yeah. Jordan Morris at the very beginning with that header. Uh-huh. Um, a couple of chances here and there, but that was pretty much the game. Like as as soon as they made that switch, I and I, I noticed it pretty quickly. And Stu Holden, the commentator, pointed it out pretty quickly uh-huh. as well. And I was like, yeah, that that's pretty much it. Like I don't think the U.S. can problem solve on the fly like that. And I don't think Greg Berhalter with this team yet can yeah yet. problem solve yes. on the fly. I agree. Like that, like Tata yeah. Martino can. Because I think he's just that little bit better manager uh-huh. with a better squad yeah. as a whole. Yeah. So I agree with you. This is progress, but there's still definitely oh, yeah. areas that need even more progress for the men. Now switching to the women, you couldn't get any better than a <laughs> World Cup repeat. And that's what we got. So And we can't downplay that either. That's... That's huge. Like that's I, huge. I don't know if that's ever been done. In, it hasn't. Like we said last episode. So the, the, the U.S. women have won four World Cups. Germany's won two. Yeah. That, Germany's second in World Cups. Yeah. Be- below that, I think, is uh, J- Japan, I think, has one. Yep. Um, Sweden has one or something like that. So, and there's a couple teams that have one. So, yeah, like that, that can't be downplayed. That is a big deal. Um, yeah, and it was very, a very exciting game to watch. And I think... I think the U.S. women's team had struggles earlier on in their knockout round that they weren't maybe expecting from Spain, but then they were expecting it from Mexico. Or sorry, not Mexico, France. France. France yeah. um, after that France game, I was like, okay, well, if they can beat France, I'm yeah. pretty confident they're going to at least get to the final. If you're playing somebody in the final, like who knows what happens. Yeah. But then watching this game... The Netherlands like, played well, I thought. The Netherlands... The, so the problem... The Netherlands had the same problem defensively that the U.S. did against Mexico. The men <laughs> did against Mexico. That's true. Like, 
So the U.S. women's and the Mexico men's team were both playing 4-3-3s. The Netherlands women's and the U.S. men's were both playing 4-4-2s defensively. Uh-huh. So all the U.S. women's and the Mexico men's teams had to do was switch play, switch play, switch play, yeah. find the open midfielder, counter, uh-huh. play direct, and they were fine. Like The U.S. women's had more success doing that because they have a player like Tobin Heath on the right that can just run past you and dribble around you and just make you look silly. And also Megan Rapino, who's like 35 and is a legend. Yeah. And then Alex Morgan up top, who's also a, a legend. legend. And then Julie Ertz, who is probably going to be a legend <laughs> yeah. in the midfield. Yeah. And then all of these amazing center backs and defenders. And it, yeah, there's no like, weak link there. There really isn't. A, I mean, you could make an argument for a weak link, but... As compared to their, competition? Their weak links are like, yeah, but we won the World Cup last time. Like, yeah. their weak links have a World Cup winning experience, like World Cup winning experience under their belt. Yeah. So it's like, they're not really that weak. Mm-mm. Now, what I am concerned for is next World Cup or the Olympics when these older players start to cycle out and True. you have to bring in new players that yep. aren't as experienced. Mm-hmm. But that's not what this World Cup was about. This nope. World Cup was about getting another one. And about going that. down in the history books as maybe the best women's generation ever. I think they accomplished that. They controlled this Netherlands game pretty much from start to finish with a couple of spells. Yep. Yeah. And I think you can pretty much just say that this is one of the most, these have to be the most popular female athletes probably ever in this country. That's all I'm going to say. Agreed with all of that. One thing I, I'm interested to see also, in addition to how the turnover of older players bringing them in the newer, um, fresher faces into the women's squad, is how the rise of women's football in Europe is going to hmm. uh, elevate the level of competition that the U.S. will face in further tournaments. Um, because I think the reason that the U.S. women have been so strong for so many years <clears throat> is that there's a robust... granted. Uh, the women's game, women's athletics in the United States is still not um, where it needs to be in terms of equity and all that stuff. There's a lot to be said there, and I'm not going to get into it. But um, there has been a pretty robust NCAA soccer system for women to play in and develop um, and uh, grow into good players. And so there isn't that in in Europe. But now with the rise of club football, um, you see Real Madrid bringing on a women's team this season. They're breaking. I think there were like 56,000 attendees at an Atletico Madrid women's game. That's Recently, awesome. Juventus, it was like 50,000 again. Um, it's getting bigger over there. And I think that the more that it grows in Europe, the greater the level of competition is. And also look for American players that choose to go to Europe to play um, because I think they're not going to be – I think that they're going to yeah. be challenged and develop better there than they will in I the think US. we have one – one U.S. Nationals women's player. And I think she's just now moving to yeah. Europe. Like, I, I was watching this game, and the commentator said all of the players for the U.S. play in NWSL. Yeah. So, like, the good news for us as Americans is, like, we can go on. I think it's Yahoo Streaming or something like that is the NWSL games. We can watch these players on Saturdays and Sundays play right here in America, or if... You know, if you're close to an NWSL team, you can go watch them probably for pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. And they're playing against other national team players like 
Australia and Sweden and Brazil and all of these really good other women's teams have players playing in US or sorry in NWSL. So you can go watch really high level yeah. women's soccer and I I don't think people fully understand that. Um we don't really talk about it a lot because there's no one there's no team here for us three to go watch. You know the closest yeah. is maybe Salt Lake or Portland. Um um yeah. And Seattle, so like Yeah. It's hard for us to get involved. If there was a team, even in California, even in Southern California, I would be all over that. So, yeah, that is that's the cup date. That That is is the end of the cup. There's no more cup. Well, we could maybe touch on the Africa Cup of Nations, but why? Why? Um, Or the Cup America? I haven't been following. I haven't been following. I say. I say. There's There's like in the round of in the last. In the quarterfinals, there's like four teams that I've never. There's four countries I've never even heard of. Like Benin is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard of Madagascar, but I've never. Madagascar heard of is a country players. that's like they've had like a Cinderella run. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Anyway, if you like let's that, just get this over with. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's just, just talk let's about just Fresno talk about for like a minute okay. and then Put pretend the like it didn't happen. Off. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Here we go. We're talking about Fresno. Uh, right. The so, result was one zero loss at. Home. Mm-hmm. Um, two red cards shown in the early 70th minute, 72nd minute, I believe, like to Deco Keenan and uh, Keenan, Sha- <laughs> if you're the uh, Sacramento uh, announcer, and also to Chavez. There were some hands to the face by both players. Uh, you just can't do that. And you no, get you red can't. cards for it. So um, after that, I was pretty much like, well, this game was already not going Sacramento's way. Yeah. Uh, like their best chance was from Hayden Partain, who was 30 yards out, and he just rips a shot that bounces and squeezes past the keeper, and but he's able to reach back. Uh, CJ Cochran is able to reach back and yeah. save it just before it goes in over the line. And outside of that, I, I'm struggling to really think of a decent chance that Sacramento had there were some half chances, but with this rotated lineup, that was pretty much it. And after this red card, I was like, hmm, this doesn't feel like it's going Sacramento's way. And it doesn't. Nope. Um, with the center back out, Ball you lose in. a marker for a, a deeper whipped in cross. Right and in between a midfielder and a fullback trying to act like center backs yeah not really cohen's fault he i mean it was the ball was really no. close to him so maybe he could have come out but eh, i don't know it's just it's just kind of a matter of circumstance yeah you got you got weird parts playing center backs and a ball that's kind of in a blind spot you know not it's a little too far for cohen if cohen goes out and grabs that that's a very aggressive play i would like to see him do it but like yeah, he would have had to come out a good amount, and he would have had to make that decision quickly. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so yeah. Sorry. No, uh, I was just gonna say if there, if we were to take anything away from the game on a positive, on a, not on a positive note, just as an interesting note, Matt Mahoney started at center back, um, which was interesting for me. I didn't know that he could play there. Yeah. More centrally. I saw mm-hmm. that. Um, but it's good to know that he's versatile, versatile to a to an extent. 
I didn't watch the game, so I didn't see how well he played, but he was fine. The FOP mob rating wasn't horrible. He was fine. Like he didn't <laughs> yeah. stick out, so yeah. I guess that's kind of what you want. That's yeah. what you want on a center back. And then yeah. Hayden Partain got a chance to, to start and look good. He was so, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Elliot Horde on the wing, not good. Yeah. Um, Bonomo. Bonomo struggled. Yeah. Not, not to really do anything a really. Factor. Um, it was just not a. It was just wasn't a. This so this game is kind of similar to the one zero loss away to Portland. We were just like, just don't even go back and watch it because it's not a representation of. Yeah. what this team could do um and i think that is not only evidenced by the scoreline but i i also think it's it, it's just another showing of like i just don't think that this team has a plan offensively but we've already talked about that before okay i Partly. do want to bring up one thing so this All is right. a back-to-back loss right yep we lost two reno two zero away lost to fresno one zero at home how many times do we think that sacramento has been shut out or been have have lost back-to-back games so you guys already gave your answer so so i said i said dora pause i said three because i was very optimistic yeah nolan said 10 10 and then he said six and was like mm, six so it's happened once in 2014, once in 2015, twice in 2016, four times in 2017, once in 2018, and now twice in 2019. So 11 times. So 11 Whoa. times. And we're only halfway through the season. So it could be it happens so things are looking even up more. Because it doesn't <laughs> happen very often. Just kidding. So it happens on average probably twice a year. And yeah, we're already there. At twice. At um, halfway point in the season. Yeah. So, it actually happened more than I thought. But hopefully, we can not have a back-to-back-to-back game yeah. against Portland. Wonder, you know, which has happened once. We've, we, we've had a one-three-match losing streak. Yep. I think it was in 2016. Okay. Because I wonder, I wonder how many of those back-to-back losses we've had where we've gotten shut out in those two games. I don't, I don't know. I didn't keep... I didn't take notice of that. That's deep. It's just, that's, that's man, deep. that's deep. But uh, yeah, Portland. Pressing is what it yeah. is. <laughs> Portland Timbers two at home. Right, moving on. Moving this on. July thirteenth, my wife's birthday, so I will be there. Ah, happy birthday, M. Yep. Um, and if you listen to our previous uh, review of Portland or preview of Portland, um, a couple months back. It's the same thing. They're going to be structured uh, defensively. They're going to have a plan going forward. They're going to have dangerous enough players to make us uh, hold in our sphincter a few times. Um, Josh Cohn is going to have to come up with some saves. Sam Werner or someone is going to have to do something extraordinary to get a goal. And I'm not super confident about that right now. I'm not either. This was my... uh... Danger one ranking. of my danger rankings. I believe this was my number one. I I think it was actually. Yeah, this was my number one. Yeah, they they matched up against Sacramento. Scare me. Um. Yeah, but uh, I'll be at that game. We're we're gonna go to that game. We'll be there. We're yeah, gonna, we're gonna go with you. Enjoying it. So I I will say this. This is kind of the the net, the last game in this snapshot of the season. Like if if they do go. Oh, for three 
yeah. you know, zero points out of nine in this snapshot. I think that I, I think we're gonna look back at the season and say, okay, we had some shaky points in the season, but this is where it really got off its rails. Mm-hmm. It was in the middle of the season right yeah. here. Um so with that being said, let's move on. If anyone does anyone have, have any other points about Portland? We we covered yeah. it pretty exhaustively yeah. last time. So let's move on to Rio Grande Valley. And we're probably going to talk even less about Rio Grande Valley because they're not a very good team. Nope. And you might be thinking, hey, why are we talking about yeah, Rio Grande Valley? Is that next week? That is next week, July 20th, but we will not be here. There will be no nope. episode <sighs> next week. We are taking it off. Zach and I will be gone. Nolan Camp will counselors. be uh, working super hard on his internship. Yeah. Um, he needs to get caught up on that stuff. So yeah. um, we decided to take next week off. We're going to touch really quickly on Rio Grande Valley. They're not a very good team. No. Nope. Uh, they concede a lot of goals away, not as many at home. They're a decent team to play at home, uh, which makes me a little bit <laughs> nervous because looking at the you you look at the schedule at the beginning of the year, right? Uh-huh. You immediately pick out the the hard games and you kind of skim over the medium to easy games. Uh-huh. This was a game that I thought was going to be easy, and because of the team form and the fact that it's away, I because of both teams formed it. Did- Rio Grande's form at home. Yep. Um, and our current form. And they've they've moved some players up to the Houston Dynamo. So the Rio Grande Valley, Rio Grande Valley FC is the Houston Dynamo two team, yeah. if you will. They just play like on the other side of Texas. Um, so they've moved on a couple players uh, this season, and those players come back down on loan. So if those players come back down on loan for this home game. Um, I think Sacramento will have a decently hard time. Um, one player to watch for, as I pull it up on my phone real quick, um, their best player, highest goal scorer is Michael Salazar, eight goals. Um, watched a couple of his highlights. He's got some pretty nice goals this season. Mm-hmm. If there's someone that just rips a shot, rips a beautiful shot, and you know, uh, yeah. Sacramento leaves there with a, a draw or a 1-0 loss, it's probably because Michael Salazar had a good game. So if we are able to shut him down, they probably have a pretty good chance. The team has a pretty good chance of getting a result. I say that, again, not being very confident right we gotta now. We got to score a goal. <laughs> we got to score something. Yep. I mean, do something. I don't know. Yep. Um, so that is the Rio Grande Valley preview. Unless you guys had any other notes or points. I honestly forgot that they existed. You, you, we really haven't heard anything no. about Rio Grande Valley. They haven't done anything to pique anyone's interest. But look out! They're only three points behind Sacramento on the table. We could be tied with them going into that game. <laughs> we could lose and they could win, and okay. that could be in a huge game for, oh, for us. Man. Ouch! Oh, how the apple Whoa. has yeah. fallen from the tree. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what anyway, that analogy is, but they're moving on. Something yeah. I like talking about. Is transfers because uh, yes. it's summertime and things are heating up on the transfer market. Mm. Not even in Europe, up, in our own Madness. town of Sacramento. What? What? Ooh. A transfer from Sacramento. Scott, do you want to walk us? I forgot the kid's name. He's a an yeah. academy player. So, okay, so if, if you're a technical person, okay, it's not technically a transfer, but Quincy Butler mm. is uh, a, I think... 17 or about to be 18 year old just graduated high school here in sacramento congrats plays Quincy. yeah congrats C- plays has played for the past five seasons for sacramento 
Republic FC Academy. Uh, started there as a U13-14 and made his way the through. Way okay, so this this for me is the first big sign that the academy is doing something really well. Yeah. We've sent players to U17, U18, U19, mm-hmm. uh, national US. team training camps where they've played friendlies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But this is the first one that we have trained all the way from the little babe to adulthood or maturity in in a sense where he's leaving the academy now yeah but where is he going well he is reportedly as of uh the end of june i believe the 28th going to sign with tsg hoffenheim in the bundesliga with their u19 team which yeah top flight germany so he, I don't think he's signing a senior team contract. I think he's signing with the U19. Which is yeah, which, which still is a big deal. Which is a huge deal. And you're thinking, oh well, why are you talking about a U, an 18 year old going to play with the U19s? Well, that's where Christian Pulisic started when he went to Dortmund. Yep. That's where um, Weston McKinney started when he went to Schalke. That's where all of these young, high, super high. Uh, I, I don't know about Timothy White, but that, oh, okay. that, I think you're probably. Re- I think that's right with PSG. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where all of these super highly talented players that are leaving the academy system in america they sign with u19s in germany or france or wherever it is uh, the netherlands so the fact that they are interested in him at least says something about him and i went back and i looked um the last time he made an appearance for the senior team because he was subbed in a couple i think two games last year um, was last year. He hasn't even been on the bench this season, and he hasn't played for the U19s since the end of March, which tells me that this negotiation, if you will, mm-hmm. probably started sometime around the beginning of April. Mm-hmm. They brought him over, had an extended trial, liked him, and now they're trying to sign him. And it that is that's important to me. It wasn't just like, hey, we've seen... You know your highlights. your highlights, and we think you're good. To me, he's probably been to Germany for a month or two weeks. A two week trial is pretty regular, pretty normal. Um, and and I think this is Hoffenheim's way of trying to kind of break into the American market with a young, talented, tricky winger. From what I remember of him, he's a speedy, tricky. Uh, left left sided winger mm-hmm. likes to cut in on his right. Um, if you're a major league soccer fan, think Diego Rossi for LAFC or yeah. Neymar. Like uh, think Neymar. No Neymar. Yeah, got the dangles. Got the dangles. He's twitchy, but he's he's not Neymar. Um, <laughs> Obvious, obviously, obviously. I the last time I saw him play was a friendly, um, preseason friendly, and. He was fine. He he was fine. But he's also 17, so. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And I also think it's important that it's happening now before October because in October is when Major League Soccer is going to start pursuing um, what is called uh, training compensation fees. Huh. So... As soon as Quincy Butler was to sign his first senior team contract with German TSG Hoffenheim, uh, Sac Republic, who we're hoping becomes a major league soccer team soon, 
um, would say, hey, we put a lot of money into his academy years. We want a fee. We we want 5% of whatever. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's complicated. So I think TSG Hoffenheim is trying to get this done now so they don't have in. to pay that fee. Gotcha. Yep. Um, but there are observation. other transfers. Yes. Brian Brown from Reno, 1868. I, I, Scott just told me this right before we started the show. Just went to a, a club fighting for qualification to the Champions League yes. in Ukraine. No, uh, sorry, uh, Albania. Albania. Yeah. I used Ukraine to describe Albania, which sounds weird. <laughs> but um, the, the club is FK Partinianzi or something like huh. that. It's has a lot of I's and a Z and a P. Nice. Um, <laughs> and yeah, this club apparently won the Albanian league last year and is in contention yeah. for a champions and league spot. If they don't get it, they still get Europa, correct? I, I no. think, I, I, I'm not quite sure. I think at some, at some level in the yeah. qualification process, they could get you it. drop down but i'm not okay sure because it would make sense because if you look at how many teams are competing in champions league qualification it's like a lot and then there's like not a lot for europa league qualification okay. so it would make sense that at some point they you drop down yeah but i'm not yeah. i'm not 100 percent on okay. that they probably do but the thing that's important for me is they paid a transfer fee from Reno 1868 yeah. to this Albanian club. Yeah, that's a like, big deal. They paid, and I went on Transfer Market, as we were talking uh-huh. about before the show, and it said his value was like $400,000. That's super cool. Don't know if that's accurate. Don't know what they paid for him. Yeah. We probably will never know, but nah, yeah. if we trust Transfer Market, they apparently they paid some money for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if... Maybe they were looking at him, and then they saw him play in the Gold Cup with Jamaica, and thought, "Okay, yeah, we like him. Let's let's make a bid for him." So, yeah, Nolan, did you have any other? As you're viciously googling, did you did you have any other? Uh, yeah, they are playing Karabag F- FC or Kazakhstan, FC? Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan, one of uh, the Johns. Yeah, one of the Johns who played. Arsenal in the round of 16 of the Europa League. Yeah. Um, they're probably going to lose to Karabakh. They're going to they, lose. They, they, have a, they have a decent history of doing well yeah. in Euro- they, Europa League. I believe and, they had... No, that was Shakhtar Donetsk. Hmm. That, that advanced to the Champions League round of 16. Yeah. Yeah, never mind. But yeah, Karabakh is, is, a, is a good team. Yep. Um, but still, to be pursuing Champions League football is a big deal. And if you're listening to this... Oh, they play tomorrow. They play They play Wednesday. Yeah, we're recording Tuesday. They play Wednesday. So, if you, I don't know how you can watch that game, but uh, <laughs> if you can find it, you can yeah, maybe can, watch Brian Brown. There's not yeah. even like... Oh, wait. Wikipedia. Okay, this is not what I should be doing right now. Uh, <laughs> but, interesting. Yeah. Brian Brown is going to have a heck of a time. Hey, and Albania. We don't have to play him next year. Which is interesting because yes. also for us. Uh, some significant players, I believe, are Albanian. Uh, one of them is... Of Albanian descent. Albanian descent. You're talking national. We talked about this with the Euros. No, so that's... Uh, he was Armenian. 
Mm, are you sure? Armenian. Uh, but uh, do you remember in the World Cup, Men's World Cup last year when... Yeah, the Men's World Cup, that was what it was. flying the eagle? Yeah. It's for like... Uh, against, Austrian. Against Serbia. No, it was... Serbia. Pretty yeah, sure yeah. it was Austria and Albania. It was, it was Switzerland. Out the map. Switzerland. Switzerland, that and, sounds right. And Serbia. Mm. And Switzerland won 2-0 with goals from Zerdan Shakiri, who now plays for Liverpool, yep. and uh, Granit Xhaka, who plays for Arsenal, mm-hmm. midfielder for Arsenal. Um, both are of Albanian descent and both flew like an, Al- an Albanian eagle in their celebration and were like sanctioned by FIFA for like political incorrectness because like apparently Serbia has, I think that, I think they were both uh, part of Yugoslavia and then like it got ugly when the yeah. nation broke up. Huh. So there's a lot of, a lot of heat there. Interesting history. Yeah. Serbia or, uh, yeah, Serbia and Albania share a little border. So yeah. Yeah, and they don't like each other or something. So probably Good thing J- Brian Brown is from Jamaica and probably has no ties to either. <laughs> nope, probably not. <laughs> nope, nope. Good for him. Yeah, uh, hopefully there's not a lot of racism because I've heard that in that Eastern Europe there's a lot of yeah yeah I, I, calling people bad things. Yeah, that that's just what I've that, certain type of humanoid mammals. Yeah, that's that one like thing. to eat bananas. Yeah, wow. that's, I've never. Yeah, I mean that's the thing in England too. Like mm-hmm. with Raheem Sterling has overcome a lot of racism. Well, we yeah. had. Remember when we worked for that one yogurt place that Shout probably has me. been named, but I'm. I don't know. And we were talking to the owner who is uh-huh. of African and that Indian, Indian yep. descent, yeah. and was in England, uh-huh. and was. You could tell. I remember you saying one time you could tell he was a good footballer because yes a lot of times when you talk to soccer players they're like you go oh what position do you play now oh i'm uh, i can play a fullback or a goalie or a striker it's like "Mm, no you can't you can (laughs) you just play wherever nobody has a player needed yeah he said he was like i was a right winger yep and i remember i I remember what he said because he said i couldn't shoot that well but i could swing a ball i could put the ball wherever you wanted me to he said um i didn't have the best shot i wasn't the fastest but my positioning was always excellent, and I could put a ball wherever you wanted. I could cross a ball wherever you wanted. I could put it at your chest. I could put it at your knees. I could put it at your toes. I could put it at your head. That's what he told me. Mm-hmm. And his and his Indian, yeah. Indian. He's an Indian slash like English Indian English slash like Eastern African yeah. accent. It's just everything. Yeah, it was everything. <laughs> it's a very interesting accent. And he said that he left England. Yeah because of the racism and i was like well what are you yep. what are you talking about he's like he he just said like his car would get broken into or he would be harassed at, at uh-huh. the supermarket yep. and he, he just got tired of it so he As moved his family <laughs> to to yeah, california yeah it's california and, and that just that blows my he said like even still today like he goes yeah. if he was to go back his, it would be the same his thing. ex-wife and his, his family's over there mm-hmm. still uh-huh yep which just it still just blows my mind. It does um, me too. Crazy. Yeah. So hopefully Brian Brown doesn't have to deal with that. No. Yeah. Hopefully not. Yeah. yeah. Brian Brown will be thinking about you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for you, homie. Yeah. Uh, last transfer that we wanted to talk about tonight: Zach Steffen, the starting goalkeeper for the U.S. Men's National Team in this uh, yes. recent Gold Cup. He was acquired by Manchester City from Columbus Crew in January, then loaned again to the Columbus Crew until the end of June of this year, yep. and then was loaned again to Fortuna Dusseldorf, a first division yeah. German team, um, and, which is just cool. Yeah, and I did some research on this when this was first rumored a couple weeks ago. So for 
Tuna Dusseldorf uh, has on their books five goalies, Ooh. now six. What? And you might be thinking, interesting. Wow. Why are they loaning uh, Zach Steffen to, to apparently fight for the number one goalie spot? Yeah. Well, they got a problem. Oh. Uh, one goalie, I believe, is 38 years old, oh, boy. maybe 37. So he's about dead. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> Another guy is, I think, 33 or 34. So he's getting Still up there. Still old, yeah. Um, neither of them played many minutes last year. Another one of their goalies is 21 and was on loan to a second division team pretty much the whole season. Okay. Um, that leaves two. Yep. Uh, a 23-ish year old and a 26 year old. Okay. And I'm not saying their names because I probably don't even know how to pronounce them and I don't remember. <laughs> so the 23 year old was starting the season. Started out maybe the first like 10 games. Season ending injuries done. Wow. The 26 year old played don't know if he got hurt but he was he, he played like maybe another eight games something happened he he played sporadic a couple games here and there okay so then they brought in this 38 year old guy yeah and he finished out the season but it wasn't good like it wasn't okay. good and then the 33 34 year old was hurt so they just got so, a lot of quantity but not so i'm i'm probably so they're probably going to move on from the older one or ones yeah they're probably going to send the 21 year old out on loan again i would imagine and they're going to have zach Steffen. they're probably just going to hand him i would imagine the number one spot uh, unless it's yours to lose yeah like hey we're that's what because manchester city doesn't mind having these players on their books but at some point, you need to get some return. So I, I would imagine that they're sending him to to play to Dusseldorf to have a legitimate shot at playing. Yeah. yeah. it's So they have another American player, Eric Palmer Brown. He's a 19-year-old center back. Hmm. And he, like, he played in not a very good league. He played in, like, Denmark or something. And, like, just started playing at the very end of the season. And... For him, they're like, yeah, we can take, we can wait three years for you to develop. I don't think they want to wait three years for Zach Stefan yeah, to develop. I think 24. they want a season or two so that he can be the backup. I think that's, I, I genuinely think that that's what they see in him. Okay. City see that. In City see that in him. him. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. If that's the case, that's 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 great. Yeah. yeah. And with the last couple minutes of this show, unless Nolan, you brought that up. Did you did you have anything else you wanted to say about Zach Stefan? No, that's it. Cool. Well, with the last couple of minutes of the show, as we're kind of talking about transfers, and Nolan smashes his arm into the microphone. Um, <laughs> Nolan read this article by Paul Tenorio, who's a very well-respected soccer journalist, um, and he he wrote an article basically saying, in summary, that high high level USL talent that is paid at the high high level. Who also happen to be old. Who also happen to be older than about 26, 25, 26, typically don't have the opportunity to move to Major League Soccer because they won't get paid enough. And in that, with that in mind, granted this article was written in 2017, but with that in mind now, as we're at the midpoint of the season and we're thinking, okay, who might 
be ready to move on? Who should we expect back? Who do we not want to see back? Bijev, who do we want to see come in? Who do you want to see up, go up? Yeah, who do you want to see go up? Cameron Owasa has been that guy for the past like three years. Yeah. He did get his shot in 2017 with Kansas City, mm-hmm. which is funny because that's the guy that Paul Tenorio was interviewing was the assistant technical director for Sporting Kansas City in 2017 when they signed Cameron Owasa, who at that time was 23 or 24. Um, basically, what we're saying is we don't necessarily expect Cameron Owasa to get another shot in Major League Soccer, even if he does score 20-some-odd goals this year and have 10 assists or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he, I guess more of what I was thinking is Cameron Owasa doesn't – he's not uh, a – very attractive prospect for an outside club who's looking to to develop a player for two or three years and then have them kind of <clears throat> progress as a starter into the first team. He's not that guy because he'll be 29, 30 by the time he is getting game time, and that's just not a sustain. That's not what they're looking for. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, he's good enough. So the point of the article is guys that are good enough to play in MLS don't make the jump because they're at a high level. At yeah. A, yeah, yeah, they don't get they don't make the jump because they're getting paid like significantly more at the USL level playing games than they would in the MLS level sitting on the bench getting paid less. Right. They choose not to do it. I could see Cameron Owasa like when when if and when Sacramento get an MLS become an MLS franchise mm-hmm. coming on as like a club legend in because he's been with the team forever. He's from Sacramento. He's a talented player, good enough to play in the MLS. Um, I, th- I think that there's um, those intangible qualities that are make him attractive to a San Fran- uh, San Francisco, a Sacramento MLS franchise that uh, aren't there for any other club. That's yeah, and and I think if you if you're a bit more skeptical, like oh, well, if he's so talented, why isn't he scoring more goals or having a better season? Um, as soon as you put yourself around higher quality players, your game gets raised because mm-hmm. now all of a sudden he has better service in and he has better defenders and he has better wingers to play off of. So I, I really do think Cameron Owasa could carve out a nice chunk of playing time in Major League Soccer with Sacramento. Um, he might not be the starter, but he might be the second or the third guy. And I think yeah. that people make careers off of that. Um, and Yeah. But on the flip side, yeah. Um, somebody who we very much could see making the jump, mm. um, Sam Warner. Yeah. 23. 23. Uh, kind of new onto the scene and showing that he has a very high ceiling. Yeah. And, and a very high base, really. He's a very consistent fundamentally sound player yeah that seems to have a high ceiling so that's and that based on that article seems like what teams are looking for he's a very attractive player to mls clubs so yeah and and i think for him the wild card is sacramento's announcement becoming a major league soccer team mm-hmm. because so like cameron Owasa's contract is up this year he had a one-year contract with a one-year option they picked up his one-year option for this season yeah. his contract is up if sacramento announces as a major league soccer team i'm going to be pretty confident that they're going to sign him to a two-year deal and then 
like that, like for the next two USL seasons, that includes a one year MLS year in it. So it's a three year deal, two years USL, one year in major league soccer there. So they'll, they'll have to figure out the technicalities of that contract, but that's probably what he'll get signed to. I could see maybe Sam Warner getting signed to that contract. My, my only, my only kind of new thought to that is if Cameron Wasis signs that deal saying, yeah, in two years, let, let's say it's a one year USL deal and then a one year MLS year in two years, he'll be 28. Like, yeah, maybe the club sits back and says, Hey, we love you mm. and we love what you've done for our club. But 28 years old, you have no major league soccer experience. This is a business. This is a business. We could use your salary and roster spot on a 19 year old yep. Venezuelan yep. that's played two years professionally already and has a very, and has a higher ceiling. ceiling than you. Sorry. Yep. But they could also get them on a free, so it might work. Same thing with Sam Warner. So, all of that, all interesting stuff. All of that to say, we'll see what happens in uh, January or sorry, July with Major League Couple Soccer announcement. Weeks, yeah, and we'll also see what happens in the off season. Hopefully, we're singing everyone's praises and not saying this player needs to go. This player needs to go. This player uh, needs to go. Yeah. But, so far, it's just one. <laughs> but who do need to go? Is us. Yeah. Uh, God, I'm so sorry to leave. Yep. So we will be back at the end of July to review the Portland game and the Rio Grande Valley game. We are off next week. Yep. Boys, any last notes? Any last comments? I love this game. Oh my gosh, that was so loud. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's gonna be a nice break. I'm looking forward. Yep. Look forward to the vacation. Yep. All right. Well, As always, glory, glory, Sacramento. Sacramento.